Now the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. It is that time of day where we give you three nice big martinis. I'm Chad Benson in for Greg Columbus. Uh, you can hear him normally here. Always, though, is uh, from the National Review, Jim Garrity joining us because, you know, that's what he does. And he's given us three solid martinis. I just want to let everybody know that right there. First, let's start with the good. It's always good to kick it off with a good martini. The chopped or the chaz, but we like the chopped, is getting chopped down finally, uh, Jim, and uh, good riddance. Yeah, you know, from the beginning, this seemed like something out of a, I don't know whether you'll say, you know, apocalyptic sci-fi movie or some other kind of bizarre situation in which people just suddenly decided they weren't part of the United States anymore. We're creating our own land. We're in charge. Uh, Many people on the right observed the contrast between the way these protesters are treated and say, Clive and Bundy, uh, other folks who have basically said, no, no, we, we're not subject to your laws anymore. Um, but it's kind of, and, and people kind of wondered, you know, okay, what was going to, uh, uh, how long was this going to be allowed to go on? Lots of statements from Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin that indicated she had no problem with it or that actually she was intimidated by the uh, prospect of confronting the protesters. Early on, I'd said, you know what, this is a chunk of the city that doesn't really produce anything and they wanted to seal their borders their attempt at agriculture seemed to be planting vegetables in, in dirt and hope waiting for it to grow. Not seeds, I mind you. I mean, actual salad and putting it in the dirt. Um, and it's like, okay, this is going to take care of itself in a while. You just got to wait them out. Well, I ended up waiting them for quite some time. But as of this morning, police moved into the chop just before 5 a.m., issued a dispersal order to any protesters. Uh, police arrested at least 23 people by 745 by, for failure to disperse, obstruction, resisting arrest, and assault. One 29-year-old man that was arrested had a large metal pipe and kitchen knife when he was taken into custody. I don't think he was intending to chop those vegetables that were not growing. Um, It is good to see. It's probably overdue. However, it did seem to go with minimal violence in the removal of this. Having said that, there were incidents of violence and shooting, um, including a shooting, I believe, of a teenager uh, in the CHOP district uh, last couple of days. So it is good to see this is coming to an end. It probably lasted far too long. Um, but it is good to see that the, uh, the, the police and city authorities in Seattle have begun to realize, oh, yes, we are the legitimate government of this area. And we can't simply concede chunks of territory to any old group of radicals that shows up and decides to declare their independence. The insanity of it all is there were some sexual assaults, allegedly, some rapes, allegedly, but there was two murders, several shootings, you have a 14-year-old that's in, in critical care. You have a 16-year-old dad. You had another person who people are saying it wasn't just a murder. It was an execution, Jim. And what did you get out of it? You have a mayor that's useless and a chief that they were trying to negotiate with people who took over several city blocks of a major city. And for us here in Phoenix, thank goodness, because a couple financial firms are moving out of that area and moving here to Phoenix but what does this say to to the people of Seattle? You're in not good hands at all because we don't care. Yeah, look, there there is a. It's interesting you look at the modern left. That that particularly you go back to the baby boomers and the rise of the new left in the 1960s. They always saw themselves as the outsiders. They always saw themselves as standing up to the man. They always saw themselves as rebelling against authority that they saw as illegitimate. And then they end up uh, in positions of power. They march through the institutions. They are now the mayors. They are now 
the people responsible and, and leadership in government for whole communities. And they all of a sudden find themselves in a position where they are uncomfortable with that concept of being, for lack of a better term, the man, for lack of being the legitimate authority, for being the ones whose job is to ensure public safety and order. And all of a sudden, these younger kids that come along, the millennials, Generation Z, they have come along and ironically use the exact same rhetoric that the old progressive, the old new left, which I guess, I guess we just call it the left these days, um, that the previous generation used against them of you are illegitimate, illegitimate, you are brutes, you are not representing the people, et cetera, et cetera. And these leaders on the the, the establishment left, uh, the, the folks who have ended up in positions of power, don't know how to respond to that. They, they feel guilty when they hear that. They feel like, oh, um, that old saying, don't trust anyone over 30. What happens when you turn 31 and you're in a position of, of, of responsibility? They can't, they're not comfortable with reasserting that authority. And they're not comfortable saying, no, you guys are a bunch of punks. You guys are a street gang. You guys have no legitimate authority. Nobody elected you to a darn thing. You don't go through training like the police. You don't have any um, uh, procedures. There is no court system. You're basically the equivalent of Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. You have just shown up with force and you've decided to take over. And lo and behold, in this environment, the strong rule over the weak. You have not, you've managed to, to, yes, you've taken away the police, but you've created a new environment where other kinds of violence uh, flourishes. At the heart of this, Mayor Durkin was kind of afraid to be a mayor, afraid to be in charge, afraid to assert authority and say, no, you don't like me. You vote in the elections. Nobody elected any of you guys to a darn thing. You are not in charge here. Um, I was thinking that when I made that reference, that movie, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, one of the rallying cries of the uh, imprisoned and then released police at the end of the movie is let's show them there's only one legit, there's only some, there's only one legit police force in this city. The citizens, yeah. there, are, there are methods in a democratic republic to replace the, the police that you want. You can change the mayor. You can change the police commissioner. You can hire new people. You can fire the old cops, although it can be pretty tough to fire old cops. And we've had a legitimate discussion about uh, whether police unionization is an obstruction to accountability and, and good policing. All of that can happen. But the first, you know, the, the, the old, uh, I think it, it might have been John Madden or somebody said the first, you got to want to. Right. The first thing you have to do to reasserting authority and and, uh, and order in the streets is you have to want to do that. And at the heart of it, I don't think Mayor Durkin wanted to do that. In the end, she wanted to have the nice part of the job of being mayor. She was uncomfortable with the part that would require her to stand up to people who she saw as ideological allies. And that's why the situation in CHOP had to get much, much worse before it could get any better. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. That's your first martini. Chad Benson in for... Uh... Our good buddy, Greg Columbus, Jim Garrity is always here. We're going to move to the second martini, and this is bad. I talked about this the other day, and my because the other show I do uh, locally here in Phoenix, my, my on-air partner looked at me, and his eyes kind of glossed over when he heard this. Reverse square root economy. What, Jim? Yeah, so first of all, if you try to come up with a term to make people either their eyes glaze over or they flash back to math class and they're frightened and they don't, you know, they begin to quote Chevy Chase as Gerald Ford in the debate sketch. It was my understanding there'd be no math involved. You don't actually need to know much math. I see in the Wall Street Journal today, and it actually, I think you're going to see more of this metaphor. It seems to be fitting what we're seeing in the economic numbers. And it's not great. That's why it's our bad marketing. It's not the worst case scenario, but um, if you can, if you're picturing the square root symbol from math class and having traumatic flashbacks, I apologize, but it's not the square root flip it on, on a, on a, uh, vertical axis, not a horizontal axis, right? 
And the gist is you, know, you have kind of like a beginning of a V-shaped plunge. Right? You go down breath very fast, and then you have a rebound. But it's not a full rebound. It's like a partial rebound, and then it starts to flatline. That's the gist of what, we're, that what people fear we're going to see in the economy. Um, we saw some pretty darn, you know, look, we saw in, in March this absolute total collapse as the economy shut down in response to the pandemic. But then you started seeing some picking up from about mid-April to about mid-June. Um, the, you know, grab bit by bit, the uh, uh, restrictions got lifted, the lockdowns got lifted, there was a lot of pent-up demand. And you did have, you know, the biggest single month for job creation. You did see some, you know, some improvement. But not clearly not getting back to where we were at the beginning of the year. And people think we're not going to. And as you see this outbreak of new cases in the Sunbelt states, south and southwest and California and places like that, at some point, that's going to make people afraid to go out. People are going to stop buying stuff. They're going to have to shut down some of the bars and restaurants. And you end up not having that full recovery, that V-shaped recovery you want to see. So uh, you're seeing this turn more and more. And it's 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 bad because, you know, Never mind the effect of how it could have in the, the uh, upcoming November election. Look, we got hit really, really hard, but for a while ago, okay, maybe we can bounce back pretty well. Well, we bounced back some, but it suggests that at least for the remainder of the year, it's probably going to be sluggish, probably going to be slow progress, and um, just not what we wanted to see. Although I did see a little further down in this Wall Street Journal article this very intriguing idea that, okay, it's a, it's a you know, square root, uh, reverse square root economy. We're not getting that V recovery we wanted. But maybe we'll get a W recovery, and that doesn't just mean a win. It means it goes down, it goes up, it goes down again, but then it goes up again. And hopefully we end up uh, back where we were at the beginning of the year. That was our bad, and we have the crazy. And I love the crazy day because we were just talking about it on my show. Uh, yes, Los Angeles, go on side. Go on, go on, go on inside and eat. Have fun. Enjoy. Hey, you people think you're going to the beaches? Not so bad. No, no, no. Slow yourself down. Yeah. So ironically, this comes from uh, the person who, who made this, this particular observation is John Favreau, not the wonderful screenwriter and director of Iron Man and Mandalorian and all that. Uh, the former Obama speechwriter, um, probably best known for that was like more than two years ago, man. Um, but he makes it, I guess he's out in Los Angeles and he makes the observation that right now in Los Angeles, the beaches are closed. You're not allowed to go to the beach, but indoor dining is still allowed. Now, I, you know, uh, regardless of what you think of, uh, lockdown rules and things like that, probably to most people, this seems backwards, but at least at the beach, you're outdoors, you're out in sunlight. Uh, the wind is blowing, it's blowing stuff around your chances of catching the coronavirus from somebody else at the beach are pretty darn unlikely unless you're like really close together. And even then the, you know, virologists are saying you're probably much more likely to get it if you talk to somebody within six feet for 15 minutes. So chances are of all the things you can do, going to the beach is pretty good. In fact, that's what I was doing last week. Um, and I suddenly had the observation, Chad, that like when people go to the beach, don't you naturally stay about six feet away from people generally? Absolutely. Unless it's somebody you know. 100%. Right. You know, I mean, people, nobody's going to put their beach towel right next to yours. Yeah. I have to be honest with you. I look at this, and I'm and and I also put this. I I see all these things that say, Jim, hey, nobody. There's really no uh, proof that uh, there was any spreading during the the any of the protests that went on. So I'm I, I so wait, hold on a second. So you don't think there's any spreading during the protests? But I can't go with my family to the beach because of why? Yeah, that makes absolutely no logistical sense. And you can see some people's core you know, principle is that social gatherings that they like are safe and acceptable. 
social gatherings they don't like are not safe and not acceptable. Uh, today's Morning Jolt newsletter I wrote a bit. There's actually now some, you know, the evidence is starting to pile up that the protests were not big spreaders of the, the coronavirus, but there was a certain amount. Uh, Columbia had 13 protesters uh, test positive in one cluster, and they said we're going to shut it down. The LAPD is saying its incidents of coronavirus are up, and most of those officers were working the protests. So, yeah, it was out there. It's not probably not as bad as the parties and people gathering in bars and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's it, there's a risk there. Um, and, but in case of this one, you know, if, is, should you indoor dine right now? You know, your everybody's individual assessment of risk is going to be, you know, determined by themselves. But yeah, that's probably indoor. You're probably closer together, particularly at a bar. People are probably talking to each other more. You know, yeah, you're probably going to get uh, a higher risk there. Beaches? No, not so much at all. And if it we're up to me, I'd say, look, let's try to get as many Americans spending as much time outdoors as they can. Because there's another intriguing theory, which says that all the cases we're seeing in these warmer sunbelt states... Maybe it's being you know, spread by the fact that people, because the temperature is high, people are spending more time indoors where there's air conditioning, and that's what's driving the spread in a lot of these locations. Absolutely. As we were talking about, and I live out here in Arizona, and I tell everybody, what the people are asking, why does it go up? I said, well, for nine months out of the year, we're out having fun, enjoying our lives, and while it's freezing in New York in, in, in February, we're golfing and wearing flip-flops. But during the summertime, when it's nice for you guys, it's 112 out here. We tend to go indoors at that point. And so you can see why certain things could happen. Yeah. You know, it, it, look, we are trying to kind of feel our way through this. I, I kind of would like to, our, our public debate to be a little less finger pointing, a little less. You can tell the subtext of a lot. Sometimes somebody makes it explicit like Paul Krugman. And then some people are, are a little more subtle about it, but the gist is blue states rule, red states drool. And you look, you know, look, you can look at Oregon, you can look at Washington, you can look at Nevada. This is not, you know, the, the, the virus does not see partisan boundaries or state boundaries. It's not really clear why someone would think that, uh, uh, that it would. But I guess some people are just so locked into this mentality of my tribe is good and your tribe is bad that they just can't perceive uh, the issues in any particular way. Crazy. Crazy. We gave you good, you bad, and you're crazy, as we say there. Jim Garrity, appreciate you letting me come on and share the day with you. This has been your three martini lunch, and I think we'll do it again tomorrow. Looking forward to it, Chad.